Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and it is time to review the Hero World Challenge. And to do that, there's no better team than uh, the t- team that we've got here assembled. So first off, welcome to the show, Kyle Porter. How's it going, Rick? It's, go- it's going well. We are... Uh... We are in the midst. We were just saying before we went live, uh, we're running straight from uh, the Bahamas to Australia. Our schedules are going to be messed up a little bit, but this is a, it's a fun time of year, huh? Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's it's certainly more like laid back than, you know, Masters U.S. Open time. So it's it's a combination of covering stuff and in, but but also enjoying it maybe more as a, as a fan than you would at some of the other times of year. For sure. And uh, additionally, on the line. Mark Immelman, uh, I will not say good morning. I've made that mistake. Good afternoon. Almost football time on a Saturday for you. As it, uh, yes, indeed. The dogs are about to line up against the Bayou Bengals in just a few. Yeah, but I was enjoying some golf this uh, this morning, honestly, on TV, and it was it was certainly good to see Tiger playing as well as what he did. I mean, the entire group. It was a birdie fest for a while, and the conditions were ideal, and and I think it was pretty cool the way the golf course was set up. A lot of the elements to the design and the conditions were similar to what that team will face down in Australia in a few days' time. Yeah, this was a really fun one because not only is it a bunch of big names and there there seemed to be, you know, at one point for a moment, I think we had like a six-way tie up top or a five-way tie up top. It was, it was really heating up. And it's Henrik Stenson who comes away with it, uh, finishes with a six under round. Uh, I mean, we are we're, we are recording this. Uh, you know, the the ink on Henrik Stenson's scorecard might not be dry yet. So, Mark, what are your initial reactions after seeing Stenson and his, you know, highly talked about new three wood uh, putting this one away? Well, one of the key shots to the tournament was with a five wood in the bag. And typically Henrik doesn't c- carry one of those on the par five late in the back nine. But but for me, you know, Stenson's that kind of guy. He's got the reliable golf swing. He's got that unflappable sort of demeanor, the major championship sort of way about him. And and just testament to who he is is how many times he's beaten the swing yips and come back from, you know, periods of times in the golfing doldrums. And once again, uh, this last season, he didn't have his very best stuff, Henrik Stenson, but, you know, been working hard on the physical fitness, has been back home in Orlando working on the game some, and, and to basically play in the final twosome and put the thing away when he needed to. I mean, that putter of his was on fire on the back nine. So so all systems working well for Henrik. And f- for my opinion, I think just a great way to go into the offseason because that's got to be a massive boost for the Stenson morale and confidence. Yeah, that shot that you're you're referencing, Mark, uh, came on 15 where he hits that f- huge, massive five wood to tap in eagle range, which, Kyle, I you know, I, I've already seen that highlight on, on Twitter. How many times have you watched that clip so far? Yeah, it it was incredible, <laughs> and, and I didn't. I was kind of bouncing back and forth. I didn't realize uh, what I didn't realize what hole he was on, so I didn't know that that was his second on a par five. And it and it was like, I mean, I mean, it was unreal. Like it it almost went in, and, and, and to yeah. hit that shot at any time, 
much less in the final round when, you know, Rom is kind of is kind of running out in front. I, I, I thought it was sort of a three horse race after about the twelfth or thirteenth. I thought it was gonna be Stinson, JT, and Tiger. Yeah. And then all of a sudden Rom goes three, three, three on 14, 15, 16. You're like, wait a second. Like this guy's the defending champ. He's been the best player in the world probably for the second half of the year. Is he just going to like birdie in and win this? And then Stinson uh, ended things very quickly uh, on 15 and then, uh, you know, parred in for, for the win. I, I, th- I thought the pars uh, on the last three holes, look, Albany's not, it's not a hard course. I don't think anybody thinks that it is, but the the closing stretch, depending on the pin positions and especially eighteen, that can be that can be a little tricky. That can be a little tough. So, uh, I thought it was an impressive way to close it out after uh, basically winning it with that five wood on fifteen. Yeah, I, I thought John Rom when he he also eagled fifteen, but he poured in a putt from I think it was just off the fringe, and uh, he had that look in his eye, Mark, which is the look of a guy who has is now going for his third straight win and is. You know, he might be at the point, of course, he's getting married and he's looking forward to that. But he might be thinking, hey, I wish there were some more big money uh, prizes I could play for because I'm playing really, really well right now. Yeah, no doubt. And the thing about it, too, is there are world ranking points on offer in this event. And and, you know, Ram's got his sights set in that world number one thing. And and honestly, Rick, when I watch this guy play, we've talked about him before. It's he he is almost machine like off the tee. And uh, Kyle makes a really good point with the final few holes there. 18, you typically play in off the left. There's water hazard down the left. There's sand dunes and stuff on the right. He's in contention, looking to post. Absolutely bludgeons a driver down the left-hand side of the fairway. Takes on the Tiger sort of line, to, to use a Tiger pun, pardon me, and, and, and just hits an absolute gem. Sets himself up with a scoring club in hand. And, and it's like the guy's confidence is just sky high right now. And it doesn't look like there's any tournament that he can't win. And it was curious for me too, because I was keen to see how he was going to go. And early in the round was just hitting the ball beautifully, but not making anything. And you could sort of, I I was wondering if he had run out of gas, basically. Then all of a sudden he's so mercurial and he's got so many weapons. One rumbles in, then two, then three. And all of a sudden he's leading (laughs) the event. And and that's, that's who he is. And this is why he must be a daunting prospect for all of the competition uh, for 2020. Yeah, if you if you walked the dog for 15 minutes and you came back and John Rahm would have been like five under on like some <laughs> ridiculous four under on a three hole stretch. And I was like, oh, my God, this guy's flying up. But to, to, to put a bow on Stenson, uh, Kyle, you know, because this is something that we had talked about just a few days ago. Yeah. Stenson was one of those guys in the official world golf rankings who had slipped into the 40s. And it was it was an interesting place because we saw, uh, you know, Stenson was in the 40s. Bubba was in the 40s and Jordan Spieth was in the 40s. And we kind of alluded to you know, it's either, it's either going to drop like a rock from here for these guys, or they're going to maybe get back into shape and figure something out. This has got to be pretty good for Stenson's prospects moving forward. Yeah, I think so. And I think what you see when you look at Stenson is, is a good trajectory, right? So he starts the year, three straight missed cuts uh, worldwide to open 2019. You're like, wow, what's going on with this guy? But then in the summer, it got a lot better. You know, he plays well at the U S open. He plays well at the open championship. He plays well at the Scottish open, and so his trajectory over the second half has been actually pretty good. Unlike, say, I don't know, like a, like a Spieth who who kind of just he's kind of all over the place. He'll have a third place, then he'll miss a couple cuts, then he'll have a seventh and miss a couple cups. There, there's no real trajectory there for somebody like Spieth. It, it seems to be more of a oh his putter was hot and he finished in the top ten. With Stinson, there was a real like I'm playing a lot better type trajectory. And so I, I think, not that you could see this win coming, but it, it, he was certainly, 
I think, uh, like on an upward swing in terms of the way he was playing over the last couple of years. I do love that point about trajectory. It's not the uh, the Michael Kim trajectory either, right, where you miss like 18 <laughs> cuts coming in, you win, and then you miss like 20 more. But it is interesting to see uh, how guys build and, and what they take out of each tournament. And, and Mark, you know, we're now contractually obligated to talk about Tiger Woods as we, as we always do. But I think there's a lot of layers on Tiger. You know, I think stepping to the tee on 14 – I certainly thought he was going to win this thing. And then he kind of makes a makes a bogey on a birdie hole and just kind of stalled out after that. And I don't know, you know, my expectations were not very high for, for Tiger this week just because I thought there was a lot of noise around him. And I thought that they could have easily just been looking forward to the President's Cup. But, you know, if you're Tiger and you're standing on 14T thinking you have a really good chance of winning this, what's what's the takeaway for him moving forward? Well, I think the takeaway is bright. I mean, the way he drove the golf ball, I think I saw some statistic that he's led the field in driving accuracy four times in his career, and one of that was this week. Now, yes, the fairways there at Albany are a little wider because the golf course is designed around the cross breezes and stuff, so you don't have to be Fred Funk to hit in the fairway. But when he's driving the thing with some pop that he is, he's driving it nearly um, 70% of the fairways he plays with the iron game as he has it the ability to control distance. I mean, there was a five iron, I think it was, early in the round on a par three, dangerous right hole location. He just hit this beautiful, beautiful peeling left to right cut right at the heart of the green, perfectly pin high. And when Tiger's hitting the ball to hole high, you know his his swing is on point. So with the driving accuracy, with the iron game there, uh, the green surfaces were ideal, and he missed, looked to me like he misread a few putts because all the putts that he missed they had his attention for a long, long time. It's not like he gave, uh, there was only one uh, memory serves that he gave up on. So everything was there. So I think the takeaway for Tiger is, dang, I've played two events, <laughs> 60s, seven of eight times. I mean, I'm flushing my irons. I'm putting the ball in play. Uh, look out world. We're roll on 2020 and obviously the President's Cup next week. Yeah, this this is kind of crazy because to to that exact point, two starts, the the win at the Zozo, then he's you know just a few holes away from from raising another raising his own trophy, uh, you know, with with a tiger on it, one of the better trophies in in golf, Kyle, and and yeah, I mean this guy, uh, we we can we can pile on so many superlatives, but this uh, it, it really feels like he's turned back the clock, and if he's going to be hitting fairways like this, it, it was a great stat mark. I saw it; it was yeah, like three hundred and eighty starts. He's only led the field uh, in driving accuracy four times. Like this is an unbelievable version of Tiger Woods. Yeah, I agree. And I, I like that stat because it normalizes, it, it doesn't take into account fairway width. So, I mean, like Mark was right. talking about, it's not, I mean, it's resort course fairways. It's fairways for me and you, not for professional golfers. And it sort of normalizes it because it's not saying, well, he hit 85%. You're like, well, what does that mean? They're, they're 90 yards <laughs> wide, but it's saying, Hey, but everybody's playing those. Yeah. Everybody's like, like he was better than everybody else in the field in terms of driving accuracy this week. And, and, and you saw it. I mean, it was like every time I looked up, he's middle of the fairway, middle of the fairway. And, uh, it was really impressive. I, I did not envision him coming into the fall and, uh, getting beat by only three guys in two events. Uh, I did not, if you would have told me that would happen at the beginning of the FedEx cup playoffs, I would have laughed at you. Um, he just, he looks, he looks really good. His swing continues to look really fluid and, and maybe we sort of underrated how much, his kind of end of season injuries affected him. And, and, you know, that'll be a thing going forward. It, he'll always have, you know, nagging injuries here and there, but, uh, there's certainly a lot more excitement about him going into 2020 than there was say six weeks ago. 
Yeah, and I'm I'm we'll we'll talk about it in a in a few, but I'm very interested to see how he treats himself at the President's Cup. You know, he he gets to choose when he plays and how much he plays. So we'll we'll save that for a little bit later because there's another President's Cup uh, team member here who had a lot, lot of controversy around him. Patrick Reed assessed a two-shot penalty uh, during Saturday or no Friday's round, the third round, uh, for improving his lie in a way. Bunker and Kyle, of course, uh, how many shots behind do you think he finished off of first place? (laughs) Could have used used those two. (laughs) Yeah, he finishes two back of Stinson, one back of Rom. Not a great look. No. Uh, But the I think the worst look is afterwards blaming it on the camera angle. And it's like, I don't know, man. Like, I I mean, it it is what it is, you know, and it's just. I don't know. We could go for hours on the implications and what it means. His reputation. uh, I don't know. You talk to people. It's not the greatest reputation in the world, obviously. Um, So I I just think to to do that and then to kind of try to pin the blame elsewhere is um, I don't know. It's not a good look. Yeah, I also didn't think it helped that that there was a video that emerged from 2015 at the same course where he basically did the same thing. And it's like maybe he's you know, he's got he's got a habit of doing this stuff. And, and Mark, you're out there with the with the guys and you're hearing what they're saying. And there's there's such a big mentality in golf around, you know, protecting the field. And I, I, I'm really interested to hear how you felt about this whole Patrick Reed situation one, you know, the penalty in itself, which was pretty egregious, but kind of how uh he might have reacted to it afterwards. Well, let me preface this with the fact that I've called a few of his victories, and and he's a really good guy. He's he's he's, he's been nothing but charming to me. I know the public persona sometimes is a little more caustic, um, but look, as a golfer and as a competitor, you I don't care if it's a waste bunker or not. You do not get your golf club close to your golf ball when you're making practice swings and rehearsals and such, uh, especially when you sort of set the blade behind the golf ball, then make your practice swing and step out of one and sort of strike the ground in a different place. Look, he does that when he hits wedge shots. If you watch him from the fairway, he'll get the blade sort of behind the ball, make a backswing, and then swing away from the thing. It's kind of his, he, he, one of his deals on odd occasions when, 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 when it's a certain situation. But when you're in a situation like that, things can only go wrong. You know, you, you, you just happen to grace some sand and, and then you're improving your line. It's dangerous. And especially that lie he drew, because I looked at this a long time and that ball was well down into the shale yeah. and sand and whatever it was. And so, um, yeah, he tells, says, says it was camera angle. Um, I found it curious because, you know, the camera guys, especially if you went <laughs> up once or twice, they're going to come and try and catch you too, you know, and knowing them as I've worked with the guys. And so... That camera was trained on him, and I was shocked that he'd actually go and try and do something like that for one. And then afterwards, the response was kind of pleading a bit of ignorance. So I don't know. I just know personally, you you don't make practice swings close to your golf ball in any place. Yeah. If woods, if you're in the waste bunker, you just don't do it. Yeah. And and uh, Kyle kind of alluded this, but 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 Mark, I don't want to ask you to speak for speak for anybody, but you know, for a guy who has this reputation of not being great. Um, you know, if you're, if you're paired with him, are are you, are you like, Hey, I've got to keep an extra eye on this guy. Like, do you think that other players are kind of getting sick of this or do they think, okay, he, he got the penalty he deserved. We can move on. I I know you can't speak for them, but just from, you know, from your personal standpoint, how do you think it's going out there on tour with the rest of the guys? Well, from my perspective, you know, if I was in that situation, it's your job 
as the marker. You've got the guy's scorecard. It's your job to keep tabs on your competitor and you keep his score and, and you make sure when a drop is required that you don't just give the guy the thumbs up from the other side of the fairway. It is incumbent on you to go and make sure that the rules are being abided by, even though we play this gentleman's game. So if it was me, I, I would be keeping an eye on him, but I would do that on every competitor I play alongside. Uh, and then as far as the players go, that you know, there'll be guys talking, it'll be some locker room speak, but everyone's into themselves really. You know, they want to yeah. make the most of their season and their endorsements and their uh, whatever it is. So, so folks kind of keep to themselves and, and this thing, just like everything else, will sort of blow over, I'm sure, you're pretty shortly. But, yeah, but, I, but I will say ahead, this, Mark. Dan, you know, there's been a few players that have been um, sort of tar tarnished a little bit by, by cheating accusations, and those things don't go away. They, they just don't. Yeah, Kyle, I do wonder if this is a bigger deal on golf Twitter than it is kind of like on the, on the tour. Um, pr pretty egregious, and, you know, if it was anybody else, I think you might give them a pass, but Patrick Reed's kind of had this history. But, uh, yeah, is this, is this something that, that just blows over in a couple of weeks? You know, if Patrick Reed goes five and zero, five and zero next week at the President's Cup, he's back to being Captain America. Yeah, I, I, I think I think there's the potential there for it to blow over. But I think what happens when you have somebody who doesn't have the greatest reputation um, coming in, you, you you lose a. I think you just lose some of the benefit of the doubt in the future, right? So, guys who 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 have these like pr like just premium reputations and are known as trustworthy and whatever, like they get benefit of the doubt in some of these situations and, and guys like him, like you have to, and whether this is his fault or not, doesn't really matter, but you have to overcome some of the, uh, I think stereotype or whatever it is by not doing stuff like this, you know? Right. And so I just think some of the benefit of the doubt there is, is eroding not to make a joke about his his ball in the sand but is <laughs> nice is uh. is eroding a little bit as you as you move into the future so i think yeah are people going to be talking about it come the masters probably not but it's another mark in terms of like what the benefit of the doubt is for these guys going forward yeah all right well we're going to look ahead to the president's cup uh but first let's take a quick break for a word from our partners and welcome Welcome back. So this this tournament, gentlemen, the the Hero World Challenge. You know, we heard a lot of conversation about this kind of being a a tune up match, for, you know, a tune up tournament for next week at the Presidents Cup. We had eleven of the twelve U.S. members here. The only guy who needed uh, the week off, a little extra rehab on the knee, is Dustin Johnson. Uh, and looking at the leaderboards, you know, uh, Henrik Stenson wins it. John Rahm comes in second. You know, they're they're not going to be at the Presidents Cup. Justin Rose had had a fifth place finish. Kyle, I, I mean. I mean, I think there, I think there were some positive things. Ricky Fowler played much better than I expected after a long break, but um, to see Patrick Cantlay struggle, to see Bryson struggle, even Matt Kuchar didn't play all that well. I'm, I'm starting to think this is a little bit more of a negative than a positive for this, for this tune-up. But can we just, can we just write it off and say, hey, you know, it is what it is. Let's see these guys in Australia. I think you can mostly write it off, but I, I do think when you combine. You know, Cantlay finishes 17, Bryson finishes 15 with a 76. Yeah. Uh, Kutra was way down there. Webb didn't play. You know, you know, I don't know. You start to get up there. Webb, Webb and Xander played all right. But I think when you combine some of the poor play with just all the travel they're going to have. I mean, Tiger said it after trial. He's like, we got 20 hours in a tin box or yeah. whatever he said. And it's just, 
I don't know. The formula is is certainly there for them to not start off that great mm-hmm. during the week. Mm-hmm. Um, I think once you get to singles, it might be a different story. But I'm super interested in that first day. How does it go? You know, what does it look like? And you know, does does any of this affect the way they play in Australia? I think it could, but. You know, who knows? They might go out and win like they did last year or two years ago by a touchdown or more. Yeah, and and that's true. And there might just be a situation where uh, it's a pretty good field. Like you know, you throw if you threw CT Pan in this field or you threw Adam Hadwin in this field, hey, they might have finished you know nineteenth and twentieth. Who knows? Uh, but we we have the field that we're looking at here. I do think some of the positives, Mark. Uh, nice to see Ricky Fowler, uh, come out and play very well. He goes, he goes 10 under finishes in ninth place. Um, after, you know, a, a long extended break for him, Tony Finau, who opened with a 79 went 68, 69, 65. And if this was a three round tournament, uh, would have finished one shot behind Stenson and Rom. So there are certainly some positive takeaways from this, uh, for the U S team. Wouldn't you say Mark? Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, I was listening to Kyle's take there, and, and he's very much on point with his observations. You, you, my observation would be, you know, you're playing in, in breezy conditions. You, you're sort of getting the feel for your game, really. That's what they were using as a bit of a tune-up. But all of that sort of stuff, you know, 20 hours in a plane, and, and you're traveling how many time zones ahead of you, and you're basically losing a day thanks to travel, you're a different individual when you get there on Monday morning or whenever it is that they arrive. And then you've got all of you, all of the galas and things they got to attend. And so that's the balancing act for, every, for individuals. But the one thing when you're representing your country and when you're playing in teams, I don't care what sort of team it is, there is emotion that is brought to bear. And these guys are going to be gassed up and adrenalized. And I'm certain, yes, you want guys that are coming in and playing well, but on the first day is four ball. And so you're playing best balls and you get a buddy on your side and he starts playing well and he drags you along. It's, you know, it's, you can sort of throw the form book out of the window a little bit, if you know what I'm saying. So, so yeah, did they do very well as, as well as they should have? Not perhaps, but there were some bright spots. I think Ricky was, as you point out, and Fina turned it around. Tigers are bright spots. Um, and mm-hmm. so... I, I I just know that roll around round one, four balls, you're playing best ball with a guy that you've been practicing alongside. I think they'll be just fine. I was looking through their world rankings. I mean, this <laughs> Sands Brooks Kepka, this is still murderer's row, and these guys are gonna be fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm very interested. I think one of the biggest storylines for me is what Tiger does. Uh, just because he he's got all the power here, right? In, in in previous Presidents Cups, we've seen him rolled out there, you know, five sessions because he's the greatest player ever. He's the best player in the world at the time. Um, you know, now with this murderer's row, as you alluded to, Mark, he you know he has a lot of flexibility. They might not need him as much, and twenty something hours in a tin box might not be great for the body uh, i mean you, you tell me mark like i i i don't think i don't think he's going to play as much as as everyone thinks he is i think he's going to play like three sessions uh, i think you're on point there I, I think it goes three of the five um and i would be say I, I i'd be surprised if he didn't play on day one when you're playing best ball the four ball matches because if he doesn't yeah. let's say one of those that he sits when you play alternate shot on day two you're hitting half of the shots so if he's looking to really rest himself and make sure that he's ready for a big day on day three and obviously the singles matches, you know, he, he, may, he may take round one off. But, I, but, but I'm with you, Rick. I don't think he plays all five sessions. I think 
you'll see him at least three, and you definitely won't see him twice on the third day when there's 36 holes. Yeah, that's that's for the for the younger for the younger guys. So, uh, I mean, Kyle, we've we've talked quite a bit about the President's Cup. I, I still am a big believer that the, the U.S. team is going to kind of lay lay the smack down. Um, but but there's you know, there's some things that, I, you know, I, maybe I'm just a, a pessimist in general where, um, you know, I see I see Finau shoot 79 in the first round. I see a couple of Americans towards the bottom of the of the leaderboard here and I get a little nervous, but I, I still think this is uh, the U.S. In a, in a blowout, huh? Yeah, I, I think so too. I, one note on the Tiger thing: I was I was hollering about this last year during the Ryder Cup. I just think he had so much, and I, I've probably said this to you before. I think he had so much value as a captain or vice captain or or whatever it is that maybe like he adds. I think he adds more value there than he does on the course. That's not to take away from what he does on the course. Obviously, he's playing great golf, but I just. I don't know. I, I'm with you. I hope he doesn't play himself too much. I don't think he will. I, I think he really uh, relishes that kind of captain role and and wants to do a really good job at it. And I think he knows that that means um, not playing himself maybe as much as as he otherwise would. Yeah, I think this actually goes back to before the Zozo. If he did not win the Zozo, I think it would have been closer to a toss up if he actually picked himself. I think he still should have, but when, when he goes out and wins the Zozo, he's absolutely, he has to pick himself. But there was that, um, I think it was at the selection when they did it live and he was there down at, you know, his, his restaurant where he was basically like, you know, the vice captains and everyone was said, I'd be crazy if I didn't pick myself or I'd be, you know, Gary Woodland had that comment where he'd be stupid not to pick himself. And I just feel like Tiger is taking the role of captain very, very seriously to like, Hey, I'm going to do my captain's roles. And like, I'm, it's okay if I, if I step back a little bit and um you know sit out some of these sessions because i'm the captain here and and i do agree with you kyle there is a lot that he can bring to this team if it's not hitting shots uh, hitting shots would be great too but there, there's so much more than that yeah i'm the captain now just use that that uh, <laughs> gif all week i uh but yeah to your for to your actual question from earlier it, it's you know, I, it, it's tough to look at it and think anything other than a than a U.S. route. But here's the th- here's my deal. I, I think it would be I think it'd be a ton of fun if the international team was like super competitive early and been on and and Joaquin Neiman are just pounding DJ and Webb Simpson or something <laughs> like that. And you're like, wait a second. Yeah. I just I, I hope we get some of that and not another whatever eight, 18 to 12 blowout come come Sunday. Well, I mean, uh, go ahead, go ahead, Mark. No, I was gonna, I was gonna add to that. Um, and I'm, you know, my wife asked me the other day. She goes, "Who are you actually pulling for in this thing?" Because you know, <laughs> Georgia. <laughs> I'm an American citizen. Um, you know, and and obviously, I, I'd like to see the internationals do well. And 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 so I thought about this a lot, and I've spent a lot of time sort of ruminating players and and pairings and such. And I spoke briefly with my brother, who's a, who's an assistant captain, and. And the way Royal Melbourne sets up, you know, it's not the longest golf course in the world. There's a real, real premium placed on, on they're the wide, wide fairways, but you've got to hit the ball to an area to set up an angle because the farther back you are, the more you stray offline, the harder it is to access some of the hole locations on these devilish and well-bunkered greens. And a lot of the internationals, I, I'll tell you straight off the bat, Answer, C.T. Pan, Cameron Smith, you know, these are guys that might not blow you away with razzle-dazzle. Neiman's another one. Sung J.M. is another, as we all know. Ben Ahn, we all irate. 
these are guys that could be really dangerous around there. And answers had success down in Australia. Um, Cam Smith, the Mark Leishman grew up just down the road. Uh, so, so I, I, I'm I'm with Carl. If it's competitive early, if if the internationals hang in and they get some emotion about them, I think they can make this a deal. I really, really do, and I feel like in my heart of hearts. And I'm not just saying this because I'm the resident international rep on this podcast. <laughs> Well, I, I want to expand a little bit on that on that danger uh, aspect of it. But we, before I do that, we did have a few of the international team members already in Australia playing over there this week. Uh, Adam Scott missed the cut, but Louis and Mark Leishman were in the top 10 uh, through three rounds. Answers playing, Cam Smith's playing, um, CT Pan is playing. But to, to kind of go a little bit deeper on that, Mark, because one of the things that I think in sports – um, you know, a dangerous team in, in a lot of sports or, or someone dangerous is like someone who has nothing to lose. And, and we've kind of been sitting here over the last, I don't know how many weeks telling everyone that this is going to be a U.S. route. And we've been reading off the stats and the numbers that it's been in like nine straight president's cups that, you know, the, the U S has won and all this stuff. And I just have this little thing inside of me thinking, you know, a t somebody with nothing to lose a team that's expected to kind of lose on home turf just go out there play free and easy and sometimes crazy things happen so i think there is even more danger to it from that aspect mark yeah there is and a personal anecdote um earlier this year i was the captain of the international palmer cup team and and we were wildly outranked by the american side i mean it, it was ridiculous they were supposed to spank us uh, playing here in the United States and we were down 8-4 after the first session and I said to the kids I was like look here's what I see I just see a scoreboard that says down 8-4 but I see another four sessions ahead of us and there's so many points available and if we just keep doing the right thing and we play golf and we don't get ourselves wrapped up in against the, in, in who we play against you just hit the right shots you're going to be fine turns out that they had a the internationals had a big victory and Captain Ernie has been preaching this to the internationals the entire time. Start with the, the, the team logo, which is a unification sort of a thing that he brought in there. Because now you all different countries unified under this logo, but with your country's flag right in the middle of it. So he's getting guys together and he's been talking about, hey man, they're playing basically in our backyard. All the, a lot of the Aussies are going to be cheering for Tiger. But this sort of golf <laughs> suits us. And if we just do our thing, there's no reason why a CT Pan and, and, a, and a Sung JM can't knock off you know, Justin Thomas and Dustin Johnson. I, there, no reason whatsoever. 18 holes match play, anything can happen. Yeah, that's it's it's really something. And and Kyle, I um I'm a little I'm a little worried. I'm not very worried, but I am slightly worried that we look like fools in like seven days on this, um because this a, a little scrappy team like like the uh, like the international who have all of these rookies but then the guys that have been around are are kind of super vets i mean adam scott louis hideki's on this team leishman like it, it's almost just like you have both ends of the spectrum you have you have really seasoned professionals and then you've got like these rookies that are playing kind of this type of format for the first time so um that might be that might be the formula to win something like this yeah, I, I think you're I think you're right. I, I, I like that point about it being the formula. I mean, that's a formula we always see from uh, the Europeans in the Ryder Cup, right? You get you get a rookie, you get Thomas Peters out there, and you're like, who the hell is this? Like, what, why is <laughs> yeah. he why is he three and one right now? You know, and uh, you know, again, it's it, I think it's a different caliber probably for the most part. But 
I don't know, is Ben on like worse than Thomas Peters was a couple years ago? Not really. He's probably better. So I do think there's a world, and, and we've talked a ton about this, but like in which it's better to be a rookie, inexperienced. Ernie mm-hmm. L said this, you don't have the scars that some of the other guys had, and yet Adam Scott, Hideki, they can at least show you the ropes a little bit in terms of like, hey, this is sort of our rhythm, this is our routine, and just set set those guys up to hit golf shots and to uh, you know maybe take down a few guys in, in match play. Yeah, well, I'm I'm certainly looking forward to it. But we're going to have a lot of Presidents Cup coverage for next week, so we're going to put a bow on this. But before we do so, I want to have a little fun with you guys because <laughs> uh, Puma Puma, who is awesome with the gear, awesome with the apparel, I love it. Um, they've they've unveiled the slow plate turtle uh, as a design on one of their shirts and uh spoiler alert bryson dechambeau did not want to wear that uh might be a little sensitive subject for him so what i want to ask you guys and we'll start with you mark what animal shirt uh would you like to rock on the golf course Well, uh, well, well, the South African in me is coming out now, obviously, and and you know the lion is the king of the jungle. He's the king of the beasts. Uh, so, so, so I'd I'd like to have a lion on there. You know, in the interests of Simba and those great uh, felines of the past, I'll go with the lion. Yeah, and you look you look down at, at the lion on your shirt, gives you a little extra confidence, lets you you know, yeah. hey, uh, knock this putt in, you got this. Mm, absolutely beautiful, Kyle. What uh, what animal would you have on your shirt? Well, I want the one that Bryson won't wear, and then I'm going to take a Sharpie to it and put Bryson is A at the top, <laughs> and then it says slow play turtle because, come on, dude. Oh, like, a custom, a custom ha- shirt. <laughs> have some have some fun with it. Like, I, I just, I don't know, man. Like, everybody just takes themselves so seriously, and it's like, I, it's, I don't know. It, the whole thing is like just, a, it's a spectacle, and I feel like, I, th- I think some guys get that. They understand that they're entertainers. It's a performance, this whole deal. And sometimes I just feel like people just take themselves too seriously in this in this industry. I don't think we would have even known this existed if Bryson just wore the shirt. Because it's <laughs> only have, have you seen it's literally just a turtle design. Like no like like no one would have known about this if he just went out there and wore it, but uh, he refuses and it becomes a story. So for me, um, I'm a, I'm with Cam Smith where we are we are Dachshund owners, so I'll have that little wiener dog logo uh, on my shirt and we'll be uh, wagging our tail all the way to uh, to the finish line. Nobody uh, um, nobody shows tiger. Nobody shows a tiger shirt. Uh, that's that's like, tough to that's tough to follow. <laughs> I, you know what, that's that. That's where I, if I was playing along, if you know, if ends and butts were candy and nuts, you know the thing. But if I was playing <laughs> alongside Tiger Woods, the last thing I'd wear is black slacks and a red shirt. Yeah, I'm, Patrick Reed does that. Speaks to the moxie of the guy. So, so no, you you can't do Tiger. That one's taken. Yeah, I I'm with you. Like if I'm wearing red and black in a tournament, it it's gonna be in a tournament that Tiger is. Uh, not playing in, not affiliated with, and probably not in the same country as while I'm while I'm participating. Yeah, and if you do it, you, you better win um, because you you look like you have to. Uh, all right, boys. Well, listen, we've got a lot on the schedule for uh, next week with the Presidents Cup. I'm looking very much forward to that. So for this show, uh, I want to thank Mark Immelman. Follow him on Twitter. It's at Mark underscore Immelman and Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter's CBS. I'm Rick Gaiman. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Good dogs. Appreciate you. <laughs>